This is Drive, and I'm Jim Farley. If I've learned anything this season about talking to people, it's that there are car people amongst us, completely undetected, whether they're talk show hosts or neurosurgeons, or in the case of Sydney Sweeney, a movie star. When I sat down to talk to Sydney, we got into it. Manual versus automatic. I'm insisting that my kids learn on manual, and you are one of the few people I've ever met in my life who drives <laughs> manual willingly. So where did that come from? Like, what, what happened? My parents insisted that I learned how to drive a manual first. And I started driving when my grandpa could put me on his lap and I could steer the wheel. Mm -hmm. But like me actually driving on my own, I think it was like 12 or 13. And it was just in the back roads of like Idaho, Washington State. And it was on my great grandpa's old Ford 100 truck. Mm -hmm. And it was like the steering wheels as big as my my arm span. <laughs> Um, the clutch is old and like sticking, but I was not allowed to drive anything else until I got my license. Your parents sound really smart. And I think as a parent now, it's so nice to know that if they have a manual, they can't really use their phone. Yes. You have to be very focused when you're driving a manual. That's for sure. Especially in LA. I mean, LA, it's, it's hard to drive a manual here. People are, number one, not the best of drivers, or are they considerate of older cars? And it's a lot of hills. And like my Bronco, it's such a heavy car that it was really hard. People just stop right on your ass. And I'm like, I can't go. I'm going to roll backwards before I can go forward, guys. <laughs> and that's a foot handbrake, too. So yes. you can't really use the handbrake to prevent you from rolling back. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with two feet all the time. Yeah, uh, well done. And um, so my first um, restored car was a 65 356 SC that I lightweighted with aluminum body panels and Rod Emery was just getting started. No and, way. Yeah. And he and I, I built like the first kind of hot rod 356 that I could find in L.A., um, and he was doing the same thing and he was the only person doing it. He is such a talented person. He really is. I have known him since I was 10. His son and I grew up together. We're best friends. Really? Yeah. So Zane is like my brother. We're greatest friends. We all moved to the same apartment complex when we first came to LA and then kind of just bounced around and our, our moms were best friends. And then his little sister kind of became like my little sister. And I've always looked at Rod and Amy as like my surrogate parents. Like I, I No kidding. Yeah. That is really small world. Well, I, yeah, he, how's he doing? How, how's their business doing? Oh, incredible. I'm absolutely amazing. He, has a crazy wait list for all of his Porsches. Um, the work that they're doing is so beautiful. And that's where actually I got to work on my Bronco. He cleared out a corner of the shop for me. And I, I called him up because I was on Bring a Trailer. And is that was, like addictive? Uh, bring a uh, Trailer is like my. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's terrible. I can't. You know, I've never, I've never gambled, but I feel like that is what gambling feels. 
And have you have you uh, bid on a car yet? Because I have bid on like ten cars and I'm not one any one of them because I always put my my price in too early. No, I that's I've won both of my must like my Mustang and my Bronco on bring a trailer. No way. Yes. Your sixty seven Mustang you got from BAT. No way. Yes. Because so there's a funny story behind all of it, but I I remember because my dream car was a Bronco. I wanted a Bronco so bad and. I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to start looking for one. And I found the perfect one on Bring a Trailer and I bid on it. And then I ended up calling Rod because I started getting there's like five minutes left. I was like, Rod, Rod, I'm going to get this car. What do I do? I need work. And he was like, Cindy, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I won and I called him freaking out. And he helped me set up the delivery and he got it shipped to his shop. And then I would come in like every day head off on euphoria and he walked me through and had all the guys at the shop help me and they taught me how to rebuild the car it was really cool that is so neat well i have to ask you about that because run ford is pretty busy and i really enjoy working on my bronco too i have a 73 do you have a name for your bronco i've been calling her cherry but i kind of want to change her name I know it's a girl. I know it's a girl. So that's good. Cause sometimes I'm not sure. But right now she's cherry, but I feel like it's too on the nose. <laughs> Our Bronco is ginger because it's like a ginger color. And um this winter I've had a project to kind of doing all the simple maintenance. Like mm-hmm. my oil pan has been leaking and it's bothering me. So I just did the oil pan replacement, which was like a total nightmare. And I don't have a lift. Um, and so I'm just like covered in oil and grime and my kids are laughing at me and I'm uh, swearing, but it's a grounding thing to work on a car, isn't it? Don't you find? I really enjoyed it. I love it. How did, how did you learn? How did you get up to speed? Truthfully, it was, it was all Rod. It was Rod. And then he had his workers, George, who George was always helping me. And what I loved about Rod and all the guys at the shop was they truly wanted me to do the work. So like they would show me and teach me, but then hand me all the tools and watch over me as I did it myself. And I, I just wanted to keep coming back. And that's why I got the Mustang. I was like, I can't, once the Broncos started finishing up, I was like, I got to do this again. <laughs> I keep, I keep buying all of these, uh, these, these cars that are definitely projects. And Rod has now accumulated a few of my cars and I just wait every, every season I do euphoria. That's like my grounding home activity. It's my, it's, it's make me, it makes me happy. Where do you think that came from? I, I grew up very hands-on outside. I wasn't really inside watching TV or on electronics. I was always just building things with my hands. Like I would always be climbing trees and building tree houses. My parents would give me all the tools to be able to do it and never hold me back or say, hey, that's too dangerous. They'd be like, okay, so if you hurt yourself, you're going to learn and maybe don't do it that way the next time. And so I was always just very creative and hands-on. And I think that once I came to LA, I lost that bit of myself of being able to have that creativity. And once I got the Bronco, I, I started realizing like that is what that is what made me feel like myself and more like Sid and, and at home and, and with Rod and the family at the shop. It was I love it. That's really cool to hear. 
and I love it's a Bronco because you could pick anything. And I, I like the f- functionality of the Bronco. In my office, I have the approval letter of, of the Bronco and the Bronco and the Mustang were approved on the same day by Lee Iacocca. What? 1962. Yeah. And he signed off on both and the, the volumes were like super small. <laughs> and um, it, it's fascinating to see because people don't realize that the Bronco horse and the Mustang horse were developed mm-hmm. by the same, the logo by the same person. One is a Bronco rearing up and the other is a f- running Bronco for the car on the road. And they're like the same Bronco, just in different poses. Wow. Yeah. So you, so the fact, that's why I wanted to bring up, you own a Bronco and a Mustang and like the genesis of both those products was the same person, the same idea. Wow. That's, that's it's very fascinating. Yeah. I'm so curious about reading about your career because you were so persistent and you knew what you wanted and your parents were there, but it couldn't have been easy to drive from Washington uh, or fly from Washington to do all the auditions. How, how did, where did your kind of um, resilience of keep at it for that long time before you were successful, where did that come from? I was always just so determined. I couldn't stand going home and seeing like all my childhood friends and my family and feeling like a failure. Even at like 15, 16, I felt that weight and that pressure. And I knew that no matter what, I was just never going to give up on myself. Like I I really believed in myself and I knew that I work really, really hard. I mean, my mom, my mom and my dad definitely instilled a lot of work ethic in me as a person, whether it came to school, jobs, uh, friendships, like anything, like put 110% of yourself into it. And I also saw how much my parents sacrificed to be able to encourage and support me to follow my dreams. I mean, we actually, we did drive for auditions. Like I would go to school if I had an audition on a Thursday, I'd go to school Wednesday. After school, we'd get in the car and my mom or my dad would drive me all the way from Spokane down to LA for an audition on a Thursday. And then after the audition, get back in the car and drive all the way home so I could make it to school on Friday. Holy smokes. How do you, how do you thank someone for doing that? <laughs> I try on many, many levels. I, I, I hope I give them the world now. Amazing. And so I, I heard my family and I went on vacation to Australia which Ford just became the best-selling vehicle in Australia, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Ranger. And uh, we just outsold Toyota for the first time in 28 years. But I heard about a story of you driving, uh, obviously, a right-hand drive vehicle in Australia, manual. Like, that's weird shifting with your left hand, isn't it? It was weird. It was very strange. Everything was backwards. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pull it off. And I remember they had all the cast tests to see if they could. And I, I'm very competitive. So the I moment <laughs> I, I learned that it was a test to see who could do it, I was like, I'm not going to fail. But I was nervous. And weirdly enough, it just clicked. Like there was no thinking. I just kind of figured it out. And I surprised myself so much that my uh, 
the stunt coordinator who was in the car with me testing me. I said, can you take a video and send it to my mom? I have to have this as proof. She'd be so proud. (laughs) (laughs) It's always straight, like going to the round, the first roundabout, which way you go. That's always a tricky one. It is. I've been in Australia now for almost six months. So wow. When I come back to the States, I almost get nervous that I'm, I'm pulling into the wrong side of the road now. It is. Okay. I got that. And uh, do you follow supercar racing in Australia at all? Not in Australia. No. Oh yeah. So we're, yeah, that there are like four big races in the world. Of course, the uh, Monaco Grand Prix and Indy 500 in Le Mans, uh, Daytona 500. But one of the coolest races in the world is Bathurst. It's a thousand kilometer race up a mountain and it's fantastic. If you ever get a chance, we'd love to introduce you to all of our drivers and racers there. And the Aussie people are so amazing, but we have um, supercars there where we have a passenger seat. So if you wanted to scare someone you were working with, we'll get you a race car, you drive it uh, on a racetrack and scare the living whatever out of anyone you're working with in the, in the, passenger seat which is actually the driver's seat in america (laughs) (laughs) that would be my dream my when i was really little my babysitters were actually twin race car drivers oh really i remember my parents would take me to go see them race on the track in seattle and i thought i was going to be a race car driver when i was little and i keep telling rod that i want to i want to like start training and, and randomly race the car one day oh you should do that yeah well, I I started racing when I was a little bit older, and it's the funnest community of people I've ever met. Uh, the people that you meet at the racetrack, every, and you have to work on your car. Um, I think you would love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let let us help. Do you have a favorite place that you've traveled with work? Oh goodness, I I'm so lucky. I get to travel to such amazing places all the time, and. I've always been in love with Italy. Italy is definitely one of my favorite go-tos. But recently, I love Australia so much. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to film my second movie there right now. And I'm just in love with it. The people are amazing. Australia is amazing. The culture. It's just, it's a beautiful place. I'm with you on that. Totally agree. And do you have a dream car? Is there such a thing for you? Ooh, I mean, my Bronco was my dream car. Yeah, cool. Like the fact that I have accomplished my dream car already, I don't know what to do now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got the Mustang project and yes, is, is acting, do you think a forever thing for you? Um, I'd like it to be, I I definitely see myself doing it for a very long time, but if for whatever reason I fall out of love with it, or I want to pursue something else, then I always believe in do what you love and, and do it with everything you have. So if I don't love it, then I shouldn't do it. But I love it right now. And you're so curious about new things. I read that you taught yourself like Russian and you're very, um, I mean, you really always push yourself. Where does that come from? My parents told me to fall in love with as many things as possible. Mm. And I've always approached life that way. I love languages. I love culture. I love learning. I love projects. Like, there's just so much that fascinates me in life. So why not just go after it all if it makes you happy? Has your taste in cars changed? You know, 
the industry is going through electrification now. Do you look at cars in a dynamic way or do you think you're kind of focused on, you know, certain kinds of cars or, or brands and, and that kind of will always resonate with you? I definitely love when you can feel at one with your car. Like when you can feel the engine, you can smell the gas. I've, I've actually never driven an electric car. I don't know what that would be like, but I, I love cars with history. Like I, I definitely gravitate towards older vehicles. Me too. I have another project that I'm going to do with Rod once I start the next season of Euphoria and it's a 356. So I find the history of cars and putting your own love and and creative ideas into it is really fun. Like the newer vehicles, like, yes, there's so many great things that it does for the environment, but I definitely, I love a good vintage rehab. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, we lived in Manhattan Beach when I went through graduate school and, um, and I rebuilt my 356 motor, 1750cc, big bore, Porsche, four-cylinder in our kitchen. <laughs> in your kitchen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's really understanding about my car stuff. So, That's awesome. But yeah, that car was a big part of our life because I had no money. And I, you know, it was my first restoration project. And, you know, we drove all around L.A. to get that done. You know, I didn't do the painting myself, but I did the prep work and, you know, rewiring the car and getting the interior pieces and and then, you know, Rod was really the only person making lightweight panels for a 356 out of aluminum. So it was really hard to, and I bought my deck lid and my um, front hood from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really passion project. And I love the 356. It's kind of like your Bronco. It's like a car with a personality. Yes, it is. Yeah. You have really good taste. You'll have to come to the shop whenever we're both in town. We can go see all this broad stuff. That would be fun. That would be fun. I was such a purist about that car that I didn't want to put any plastic filler on it. So I used lead to, you know, make all the imperfections and the, and the panels. Um, I love that car. It was really hard when I sold that. I think my wife was more mad at me than, um, I have to ask a question for you that's on my mind a lot, um, which is what is your, what is role, what's the role of luck in your life? Which do you make it? What's your relationship with luck? Um, I, I don't believe luck happens without hard work. I believe that definitely things in life have to align to happen. And I think that's when luck comes into play. But if you're not there and, and and pushing yourself and working as hard as you can to be able to allow the world to give you those opportunities, then luck doesn't happen. Like if you're just sitting around, then nothing's going to happen. Luck's not going to be on your side. But if you're working hard and being persistent and putting yourself out there, then there will be luck in the world. And and it is a thing. It is. You know, it's, it's a thing. I saw my cousin, Chris Farley, who's a comedian. Um, he, you know, he worked really hard at his, his craft, but, you know, he was at the right place at the right time a few times too. No, it's definitely like every character that I've been so blessed to play 
It was lucky that I was the right age, the right kind of person that they were looking for, for that character. Like that, that right there is luck, but I had to put all the work behind it to be able to walk into the audition, succeed in the audition, succeed in the whole process. But the luck is the characters that come into my life at the time that they come. And I'm very fortunate with everything that has happened. And do you get to choose what films you work on now? Or what roles you play? Yeah, I definitely get to have more of a choice and a say now, which is absolutely incredible. Like five years ago to think that I'd be in a position like this. It's just mind blowing. And I'm so grateful. I get to read a bunch of scripts and and meet a lot of amazing filmmakers and then decide what I want to do now. That's amazing. But I always find that the ones that I want the most and the ones that will challenge me the most are the ones that people don't think I'm right for. And the ones that- So tell me, tell me more about that because I was at Toyota for 25 years and people told me, whatever you do, Jim, you're a talented person. If, if you want to do more, do not go to a domestic car company <laughs> because you will not fit in, you know, uh, because they don't want to change and you're a change agent. And I'm really curious about your personal experience with that, well, uh, with that moment when you read something you're like, and people and people give you advice, mm-hmm. and you're like, nah, I don't think you're right. Yeah, no, I, I have an amazing agent who, she pushes me to go after characters or, or projects that I am. A little nervous about like I've never played a character like that before or I'm not sure if this is the right move and and she's like no this is something we should fight for and I think it'll be incredible for your career like people need to see you play reality was a really good example where I read the script I've never really done something like that before I was not one of their choices at all I, I put myself on tape and this is after season two of euphoria has come out and White Lotus and everything. And, and I had to keep auditioning and do callbacks and, and fight for this role. And, and my agent, Jen, was like, this is this is going to be really incredible for you. And I think that the ones that aren't handed to you are the ones that are going to challenge you and, and show the different abilities that you have. I mean, hand myself, I, of course, auditioned for um, Euphoria. I didn't even get in the room to audition. I put myself on tape. Uh, White Lotus, they didn't think I was right for it either. And so I put myself on tape for it. Uh, reality, it's, yeah, it's it's the ones that are a challenge. Those are the good ones. Don't you think that we all need truth tellers in our lives like that? Oh, people, yeah. Yeah. Like I can think of the people in my career that pushed me to do things that I wasn't sure I would do. And I don't know why they saw in me something I didn't even see myself, but they did. But I listen to them at the same token. Um, that's really cool. You have an agent who you have that kind of relationship with. Yeah, she's incredible. She's been my my one and only agent. And it was hard. Like when I was before I turned 18, 19, I auditioned for so much and would never even get a call back. And there was just a lot of no's that you take as a teenage girl, which is really hard. And 
I'm just so, I was so determined. I'm so, and I'm so grateful. And I'm, I always look back at my younger self and I say, thank you so much, Sid, for not giving up on yourself because I am so appreciative of where we are right now. Uh, but it was hard. It was really hard, but Jen never stopped believing in me. And I, I thank her every day for that. So on another topic, something I think about a lot, which is different types of people getting involved in cars. Mm-hmm. Like I have enjoyed so much seeing my daughter and I connect over cars. Like her eyes light up. We talk about this. We go and bring a trailer. She's like, no, I don't like that. And um, and she looks at cars totally different. Um, how about you? Like what can we do as an industry to get more people involved and, and get their hands dirty, like you said, about our, our industry, because they're amazing things, cars, they're fun. And the people can make it even more fun. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think about that a lot of how, how can I afford anybody inspire others to want to have more knowledge about their vehicle? Yes. It's really cool to know how to change a tire, how to fix your oil, like how to listen and, and know what's wrong with your car. Like that's really amazing. And I honestly, I think that it's just making it more accessible to people. I think a lot of people think that you have to be a, a very skilled mechanic instead of um, just like learning yourselves. But I, I learned myself and oh, I, I hope that like I have all these fun TikToks of me working on my cars and, and Ford and I've been doing the really cool like auto one-on-one Yes, and, I watched most yeah, of them. And I, I hope that, well done. Thank you. But I hope those inspire people to be able to pick up the toolbox and pick up a tire and maybe learn how to do a few more simple tasks on your car. Mm-hmm. Well, it all starts there. Yeah. I put myself through graduate school working on cars yeah. in Santa Monica. And um, yeah, that was probably the, I'd say, other than the job I have now, my best job I ever had because... We, we worked at a restoration shop and all we did was restore uh, Pebble Beach winning cars. And wow. um, yeah, it was really, although it was kind of surreal to me, I'm sure you've had these kind of moments where when I was a mechanic there, we would go up to Pebble Beach and uh, my wife and I would stay in the campgrounds because uh, we had no money. And then the mechanics would move the car on the lawn of Pebble Beach to be judged. And then we were asked to leave because we were lowly mechanics. And now I'm a judge at Pebble Beach and they have no idea what, you know, a dirt bag I was all those years ago. Please don't tell anyone. Uh, um, but, you know, it all comes back uh, to that. Yeah, it does. it does. I mean, my I remember my one of my first cars, it leaked so much oil and it just had so many problems. I remember driving in LA, I was 17, and someone's like waving me down. And I go, oh no, what's going on? And they point to the bottom of my car. I'm like, oh, it's okay. Sometimes it leaks oil and it's probably trailing behind me. I, I know how to fill it up. We'll fix it. And the whole like bottom compartment of my car was dragging on the ground. And I had to take a switchblade and cut the whole plastic bottom off. And it was just... It's fun though, like you having those memories of these vehicles mm-hmm. and then being able to see the incredible collection of cars that 
I, I'm very fortunate to have now and, and looking back at all those <laughs> crazy times. But it's fun. I think it's great. It's great to grow. Well, that is certainly the common theme here today is, <laughs> is personal growth and learning new things. Are there perks or challenges of being a car person in the entertainment industry? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, I always think it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always fun. I, I, would, I would drive when I was working on my, my Bronco and I would finish up like different parts of it and I would drive it to to set to base camp and all the transfo guys would be so into what I was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Serious street credibility. Yeah. Like, don't worry. We'll make sure no one touches it. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) that's funny. But it's, it's, it's a, it's a really fun community to be Mm -hmm. a part of. And there's so much to learn. And the more people I meet, the more I I realize, Oh my gosh, like I, I know 2% of the knowledge of what, it takes to build a car, but I can't wait to learn more. And I can't wait to learn from so many other people. You would be a great judge at Pebble Beach. Aw, You would be awesome because, (laughs) and also you get to meet all sorts of people who know so much, which I think you really enjoy. Well, I have to ask you this question. Uh, What advice would you give me uh, in running Ford? Um, It's your chance to run the company. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or spend or, sp- or spend that lots is, of money. <laughs> that is such a loaded question. <laughs> wow. What advice would I give you on how to run Ford? I mean, you guys are doing pretty incredible. Are there is there like a version of a Bronco that you could think of that would be I more- mean I I definitely miss some qualities of vintage Ford vehicles. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me more. <laughs> but I'm very like I'm a nostalgic kind of person. So like the old gear shift in a Mustang, like I yes. love, I love I the, the handle on it. Um, I see, I see. Yeah, like just more. I miss character that went into cars. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean the fact a three fifty six. We won't talk about the project and a Bronco. <laughs> those are some of the most unique cars in our industry. The Bronco is like, looks so unique, but it's so functional. And a 356 air cool rear engine, super aerodynamic, you know, totally different kind of, but they like no computer told you to build those two cars. Like they are really super unique. And yeah, a lot of cars are getting so similar because of aerodynamics and crash and we haven't really thought about, I guess we're so maybe worried about living in the past mm-hmm. uh, that that we haven't really remixed it the right way. We, when we approached the Bronco project, we were pretty freaked out about what you just said. We didn't want to live in the past, but we also wanted to go back to that first generation Bronco feeling. Right. But I don't think we've taken the next step, which is to kind of, move into that nostalgia world without, and I think there may be a way to do that without kind of living too much in the past. I think so too. I think that's a good I, idea. I definitely, I definitely think there's a way of bringing back a lot of the love that, that used to be put in, into cars. I mean, people love their vehicles. Yes. 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 That's a good one. Well, um, 
so appreciate it. We could probably talk for hours about Rod <laughs> Emery and all his cool projects and all your cool projects, but I so enjoyed meeting another spectacular car person. And I personally want to thank you for everything you're helping us turn the company into a more relevant company for lots of people. When I brought your apparel back to my household, I got serious RESPCT for my uh, family. Uh, and, you know, what you've done with the Bronco on every movie set and every show you do, you know, really resonates with me because we're not a shampoo company. We're a car company and these products are emotional and they're digital, but connecting with you today really reminds me, sorry, I get emotional, uh, reminds me of why, why what we do can matter to people. Yeah. So I thank mean, you. Ford, you guys have made a lot of my dreams come true from the vehicles, from being able to work on them and, and get even closer to like Rod and his family and, and be a part of this community and opening up so many more doors and opportunities and life experiences. It's been incredible. And I really, really appreciate it. Right back at you. So we're going to get, um, I'm going to find a way for you to get, to get a, an Australian supercar experience. You drive in a race car <laughs> on an Aussie racetrack and the I, racetracks go the other direction. And then you just take whoever you want from the set or any friend <laughs> or your family or your mom or dad and you put them in the other seat and you scare the heck out of them. I would absolutely love that. All right. It's done deal. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and um, best wishes on everything. Good luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope we talk again soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Drive is produced by Jesse Baker and Eric Newsom of Magnificent Noise. Our production staff includes Julia Natt, Eva Walchover, and Kristen Muller, with help from Lori Arpin, Krista Gentile, Max Owen Dunell, Catherine Sanders, Darnell Macon, and Mark Truby. Our host is Jim Farley, and this is Drive.